0: Hello and welcome to Create, Talk, Repeat. My name is Dustin Britton. On this episode, I spoke with William Warren, an author, illustrator, and CEO. We discuss his new book, The Conquering Creative. It was written to help creative professionals, freelancers, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs not only excel at their craft, but excel at the business of their craft. But before we get to that interview, here's a word from our sponsor. Stay tuned. Anchor.fm is now Spotify for podcasters. New name, improved experience. Spotify is more dedicated than ever to empowering creators. This platform will continue to offer the best features to grow your podcast and distribute it everywhere, all for free. Visit podcasters.spotify.com for more details. Back to the show. Hello, and today on Create, Talk, Repeat, I'm here with William Warren. William, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to our conversation. Thanks. So William is, uh, you know what? I do this every episode. I always go in and kind of tell what somebody does, and then I ask what you do. So I'm going to stop, and I'm just going to go, William, what do you create? I would love to answer that question. <laughs> Thank you. So I
1: um, am an illustrator by training, but my business is called The Sketch Effect, and we we call ourselves a visual communications company and what does that mean what it means is we use visuals to help our clients communicate their ideas in a more understandable and actionable way our main products are um, uh, info we make infographics we do animated videos whether it's a whiteboard video or a motion graphics video or 2d animation Mm -hmm. but probably the thing we're best known for is a live event illustration service called graphic recording And graphic recording is where we send artists on site to client events, whether it's a conference or a trade show or a brainstorm session, whatever it is. Our artists go on site. They set up a canvas in the room. And while the meeting is taking place, they're actively listening to the meeting content. They're synthesizing it in real time and they're creating a live sketch or a live drawing of the big ideas. Kind of like a mind map um, and essentially just an illustrated summary of
0: what they're talking about. So it, there's, there's no like setup beforehand of we're going to be talking about this and this today so you know what you're going to be sketching or is it just go in like, uh, you know, like um, you just ad lib off the off the cuff sort of thing.
1: We refer to it as improv illustration. That's
0: our that's our nickname for
1: because it, it's it's essentially exact. It's exactly that we show up. We have no idea what. They're going to talk about uh, we have a basic idea, like we cover the agenda, we cover, you know, what is the session all about? Who's going to be there? But the actual kind of words, the actual content that we're capturing is all live and improv. It's all um, based off of active listening. There's no there's no pre-sketch. There's no draft
0: version. It's just pen to paper capturing in real time. How did how did you get into that? Was and what was the experience like the first time you walked into a, a meeting, going, "Oh no, I have to draw something like right now while there." Were you were you the first one to do it, or did you send your your team to do that? Or how I was that... the I,
1: I'm the original artist. Uh, since I started my business ten years ago, we've we've hired and scaled up, and now we have about ten or eleven other artists that also do this. But you know, this thing really emerged organically. So before I was running my business, the Sketch Effect, I worked in corporate marketing kind of a typical suit and tie marketing job um, at a big company here in atlanta where i live and you know i do have a background in art i've always been an illustrator always loved drawing and making comics so i started to sketch during meetings just to make it fun just to have a creative outlet in the context of my sometimes boring corporate (laughs) corporate job Um, it was a great job but there were you know there were some meetings where I had to had a harder time staying awake than others. We've all been there. Yeah, yeah. we've all been there. So, <laughs> so I was
0: those, yeah. those creative types. We, we end up walking out of a meeting with less notes and more sketches.
1: Exactly. So I would be in these meetings and I'd be drawing my notes and I'd be doodling all that. And sometimes if it was appropriate, I'd hop up on the whiteboard and I would get some whiteboard markers and I would just start drawing while our team was having these meetings. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was just a creative outlet. But what I realized was that the people in the room really found value in what I was providing. They really found value in the fact that I was taking these concepts that we were discussing and then displaying them visually, um, kind of linking up the verbal and visual sides of our brains to create a, 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 a an artifact or a deliverable that made that meeting more effective. It made people latch on to the ideas better. And then after the meeting, they could take a photograph of the sketch and then put it in a PowerPoint presentation or put it online so it really just became a way to add a lot of value and make these meetings more effective and so from there it just became this viral thing where I started to do it around the organization for fun and then people outside the organization started asking me to come do it for their meetings and then they offered to pay me to do it and then I thought wow this is really amazing this could be a business and so um, about 10 years ago I quit that job and started the sketch effect and uh, have been doing it ever since.
0: That's fun. I don't know if I've heard of people doing it improv style like that. So uh, uh, I'm sure there's others out there, but that's that's uh, that's pretty impressive uh, uh, skill that you got there. So what? let's talk about the uh, the conquering creative. What's the conquering creative? Sure. So I have been working hard on a project for uh, many
1: years, actually, now, um, and it's finally here. And so the conquering creative is my first book. I've been wanting to write a book ever since I was a little kid, and it's finally. Almost here. Mm-hmm. And so a, long, a, a while ago, a mentor advised me or I heard from someone that you know the best thing to write about is what you know. And so what, what do I know about? <laughs> Not much. But I know <laughs> how to grow and scale a creative business. I know how to take your creative skills, your creative passions and turn it into a, a money-making, successful, thriving, financially viable um, business. And so... The Conquering Creative is my new book. It's called The Conquering Creative, Nine Shifts to Build an Unstoppable Creative Business. And it's really my way of helping other young creatives, people like me a long time ago, um, just get better at the business side of things. You know, most creatives, we love to do our creative thing. We love to sketch. We love to draw. We love to design. We love to animate. We love to, uh, to write or film, whatever it is. But we don't necessarily love the business side of things. We don't necessarily Mm. love doing the forms and reading PNLs and doing sales and doing marketing and all that. Amen. Yeah. But if you want to be successful, if you want to take your creative skill and and actually make a living from it, you gotta get decent enough at those parts of the equation. You've got to have a you gotta achieve a good enough level of business acumen to be a viable professional creative. So The Conquering Creative is my book designed, written to help people um, achieve that level of business acumen, to learn how to sell, to learn how to look at the numbers, to learn how to uh, hire appropriately, how to delegate well. And so there's nine chapters. Each chapter kind of focuses on a different theme or topic. And I'm I'm just really excited about it. It's fully illustrated. There's over 150 illustrations. So even though I say it's a business book, it's not your typical boring business book. It's fun,
0: mm-hmm. it's readable, and I think people will really enjoy it. Yeah. I think you're you're hitting on a head there where, you know, people go into starting a whether it's a design firm or filmmaking or, you know, even producing music, whatever it might be and they go into it for the love of the art they go into it for the love of uh, being able to be creative and then once you start the business and i know for myself you know i own a, a marketing agency now but years ago when i tried to start one straight out of college the biggest thing that scared me was taxes was um you know doing all the all the financial stuff and and that kind of it took me years and years to kind of understand that kind of that kind of world be able to do what i want to do now and, and i still dislike it <laughs> i still do yep. i love yep. i love too. what i do for a living but i dislike the whole you know uh, taxes and business part and the PLs and all that kind of stuff and it's i i have uh, a whole bunch of um transactions and quickbooks still sitting there that i gotta go through and sort and organize so of course it's, yep you know it's it's that kind of stuff that is is frustrating but you have to learn how to do it you have to learn how to do it well and, or, or at least enough to keep your business afloat. And so I like the idea of, it's not just about finding your muse and being creative. It's about building a business, a creative business as well. So that's a, that's a, a great topic to, to hit on. Cause I think a lot of creative people need that.
1: Exactly. There's a, there's a key shift that happens when you go from doing your creative thing as a hobby or because you love it to mm-hmm. doing it. Uh, as a way to survive and to make money and to have a career. Um, and you're right. I mean, there's things you got to do that you don't love and that you suck at. And there's things that I do every day that I'm like, this is not my sweet spot. But yeah. there's, there's, two, there's two points that I, that I reiterate in the book. One is that the, the bar is lower than you think. Like, let's take finances, for example. To be good at the numbers in your business, you don't have to be a master accountant. You don't have to be a math wizard. But you do need to know like how to read a PL and l statement. Like what, is, what does revenue mean? What does cost of goods sold mean? Um, where are your expenses going? Uh, what's left over? What's profit, you know? What do you owe in terms of debts? Like just kind of the basics. Like you don't need to be some expert accountant, accounting wizard to be able right. to look at your P&L statement and know, oh, things are going really well. Or, oh no, things are not going well. Or what can I adjust? What can I tweak? So that's one point I make is that the bar is lower than you think. You don't have to be an expert at it um, to be good enough. And then the second point I make is that I'm a big believer in delegation. You know, if if you're spending time doing things that that you're not good at and that you don't enjoy and that someone else could do better than you, then the wise thing to do is to get that off your plate as fast as you possibly can. Mm-hmm so chapter eight is all about building a team and by team i don't mean necessarily full-time employees i just mean any people that you have around you that help you be more successful so for instance i have a bookkeeper i have a tax guy um i didn't at the beginning at the beginning it was just kind of me getting by and running Mm -hmm. a lean and mean business but you know as business grows you can have some you have some you make some more money and you can reinvest and delegate to delegate things out to other people so um yeah, this is a couple of ways that that we address that the fact that, yeah, it, there's going to be stuff that we have to do that we, that we hate. Um, there's no getting around it, but there are ways to mitigate it and make it a little bit
0: less cumbersome. Absolutely. Yeah, it's all, you know, we learn over time what we're good at and what we're not good at. And... So going back to the very beginning, the start of William's life, um, when did you when did you start creating? When was were you always sketching as a kid? Was this something that came later? How did, when did you start creating?
1: I was always sketching as a kid. I think probably my earliest memories might be sitting in church and like grabbing the little like bulletin card thing. Um, and just like drawing and drawing in shorts, probably distracting everybody around me, but that's one memory I had. And then of course in school, you know, I was always drawing in school. I had some, some teachers that were encouraged, more encouraging and others that were more like, Hey, stop drawing. Like this is, you know, we're learning about history or we're learning about whatever. And I'm like, no, I, I'm, I'm learning. This is how I learn. Like I learn by drawing. Um, and I didn't yeah. realize until much later that there was uh, a great deal of science that backs that up. That some people are, are are definitely more visual learners than others, but but yeah, I was making comics when I was a little kid. I had my own little comic strip. Did it all through. Uh, did it all through high school, college. Was writing books, uh, illustrating stuff. You know, mostly just fun, kind of creative things. But yeah, I mean, I was drawing before I could even write, and love it, love it, a, love
0: it a ton. Where did where did that passion come from? Were your parents creative? Was this just something that was kind of your own your own beast or did it come from somewhere else?
1: So my dad is a doctor and my mom was an English teacher. So the artistic thing, I don't know where that came from. Um it's definitely, you know, we don't have a family of artists, you know, my I got a few family members that that are more artistic, but it definitely was something that kind of emerged out of the blue. I think my parents were surprised when they had a kid who was like super into drawing and art because they mm-hmm. maybe weren't expecting it but it's uh you know it was very evident from an early age that i was meant to do
0: something creative yeah so my yeah my parents were my dad's a police officer and my uh my mom uh, was a mail carrier and my my brother is uh, does video and filmmaker and i i have a marketing agency so i'm not real sure where all the creativity i think i always say that everybody has their own way of being creative one way or another and finding their their creativity but using it as a a profession is a completely different thing when did you kind of see this as a a way to earn a living you 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 know sketching as a kid is always fun you know i every kid sketches i think (laughs) most of them but at some point people make that divide where they go okay this is a fun little hobby or hey i can make money off of this when did you kind of have that opening experience
1: so from an early age i knew or i wanted to make money doing my my artistic thing and Mm -hmm. i had a very set concrete vision for what that looked like i was going to become a newspaper comic strip artist kind of like charlie you know charles schultz or bill watterson or uh, gary larson i was going to have this amazingly successful pulitzer prize winning comic strip in all the newspapers and it was going to be great However, I didn't realize that by the time I graduated college, which was in 2008, the Mm -hmm. economy was imploding and the newspaper industry was absolutely collapsing. Yeah. And so I quickly realized as a young 20 something that maybe this was not a very viable career path for me, at least getting a traditional comic strip syndication gig and being in newspapers. And so that led to a lot of soul searching. I was asking myself, what am I, you know, what? What do I want to do, you know, and I thought about maybe being a children's book illustrator or doing editorial illustrations. And so that's what led me to go back and get my master's degree in illustration from Savannah College of Art and Design. I was really grasping at straws, you know, how can I take my creative skills and turn it into a career? And honestly, I was really intimidated by that idea. You know, once the newspaper thing was off the table, I was like, what the heck? How am I going to make a living doing this? Mm-hmm. And so it was really that fear and that anxiety and that unease that led me to pursue quote unquote real jobs or quote unquote normal jobs. And that's when I ended up finding that role in the corporate in corporate marketing was I, I went on Google and I found this entry level part time contract marketing role at a big company here in Atlanta. I got the job, thankfully. And that was almost the end of my creative career because, again, I was just terrified of the idea of of having to make a living doing my illustration work but thankfully that was not the end as I mentioned that role kind of gave me the opportunity to incubate this idea of this graphic recording this live sketching thing Mm -hmm. it gave me a chance to prototype it to test it out and try it and it really convinced me that this could be a viable business and that people would pay me real money for this this weird illustration skill that I had and so that's that's kind of how I, how I landed back at, at having a full-time creative career, and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad I didn't give up on it. And that's honestly why I wrote the, my book, The Conquering Creative, is because I don't want anyone else to give up on their creative professional ambitions either. I don't want them to be held back by fear of business, the unknowns, and all that stuff that
0: we don't love to do. Yeah. What's the old adage of, uh, if you, f- if you find something you love, you never work a day in your life and you know, it's still work. We still have our, we still have our days of like, uh, I don't want to do this, but on my, you know, my worst day of being my own boss, I would take that over my best day of not, <laughs> you know, like I, of I course. love having my, my own creativity, my own, you know, business it's, uh, and it's yours. You own it and you, you can, you know, make it your own and it's still work it's not uh it's it's not all you know sunshine and lollipops but it's uh right it's right it, it's still great so you mentioned uh scad you're not the first person on this podcast to mention savannah right. college of Art and design SCAD um, represent yeah i'm gonna have to get some uh you know some somebody from scad on this podcast at some point and and talk to some professors or for uh sure. department chairs or something we get quite a few shout outs for there um what is so? You went to SCAD. Is that uh, was that your only formal training, or uh, you said you went back got your master's? Was it from there, or did you have some other training as well?
1: So I was an art student all through high school with a focus on art, and um, in college I had, I got a, a un, I got my my minor in studio art. So my major was in something different, but my minor was in studio art. So I learned oil painting and printmaking and watercolor yeah. and and all these. All these fun studio art skills and then it, it was at scad when i got my master's degree where i really focused on illustration specifically
0: yeah do you, how do you continue to grow and hone your your ability not only just like your your talent to being able to sketch but also you know software changes and technology changes do you uh, continue to have to continue to educate yourself on New software, whether that be through YouTube or tutorials, or well, how do you continue to do that? That's a
1: great question. It's actually one area where I, I admittedly have been have been suffering a little bit, which is that I've gotten so into the into running the business, and mm-hmm. now I'm you know CEO, and I've got employees, and I'm doing sales and doing all this stuff that I really have to be. I have to carve out time to continue to do the creative work. I've got to carve out time to continue to find inspiration and to learn new things. And admittedly, like there have been times I'm like, whoa, this, this iPad thing is cool. And like everyone else is doing it. I should do it too. And so Mm -hmm. I'm having to learn the new, the new tools and the new techniques. And thankfully I've got people on my team who are really dialed into that. Like they're really keeping track on the latest innovations, the new, the new changes in the industry, new techniques. And so i lean on them i'm like hey you you teach me you coach me but you know yeah lately i've gotten gotten really into doing digital art on ipad using procreate and using an ipad or an apple pencil um i've had a cintiq for ages so i'm I'm always using the you know photoshop and drawing on my Cintiq. but um yeah that's one of those things that you gotta you gotta really uh, when you start when your business starts to grow it's kind of the flip side of it like once you start to have a very successful business you better be careful. You might not, you might find not doing the creative work anymore as your (laughs) Mm -hmm. business
0: grows. So that's one thing I've got to make sure to carve out time to do. As far as drawing, uh, do you prefer having, you know, a, a pen to paper or do you like the digital drawing or is it two different animals? I've always loved the analog approach. I just, there's something about, I love pen
1: and ink. It's probably my favorite medium. There's something about holding the paper in your hand and feeling the texture and kind of seeing how the ink rests on the paper—that's my favorite. I I just love it. But I have I have been getting more into the digital art. You know, digital digital drawing. There's so much capability, so much flexibility, functionality, and with the brushes and all the all the settings, you can replicate almost any physical medium digitally. Now it's amazing. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite one of my favorite brushes in Procreate is a is like a Sharpie brush where it's got the little feathered edges a little bit just a little mm-hmm. bit so it kind of lo- it kind of looks like a sharpie so it's not a completely perfect line and to me that i like that a lot because it, it makes it makes it that the digital art doesn't feel stale it doesn't feel computerized it feels right. it feels real but to me nothing beats having a sketch pad pen and pen and ink maybe some watercolors and just mm-hmm. like sitting down and, and just drawing wherever you are, whether you're in a park or on an airplane or or whatever.
0: There's nothing better than that, in my opinion. How much of that do you find yourself able to still do in your daily life? Of do you carry a sketchbook with you everywhere you go? Do you have, you know, time where you take time off and you go, I'm going to the park today. I'm gonna, you know, or whatever to, you know, draw and have some more just inspiration outside of the business. I
1: wish I had time to, to, to.
0: My honest answer is not as much as I'd like. I've got. Right. Um,
1: I'll also add, I've got three little kids under the age of six, mm. so it's between running the business and running the family, having a family. There's there's very little discretionary time, yeah. and so that's that's another thing I need to challenge myself to do because at the end of a, a long hard day, you know, it's it's much easier to just sit on the couch and watch mind numbing TV or have a drink and tune out the world or mm-hmm. you know scroll on my phone but i need to remind myself that i love drawing i love sitting and doing doing art and so it's much it, it's a much healthier outlet for me at the end of the day to go and like doodle in my sketch pad or, or draw something or, or just make a little sketch than to um than to just kind of turn my brain off and veg out but yeah but it's it's hard especially the season of life i'm in just with the kids and the business growing uh-huh. and but, um, it's something that's nope. on my on my radar that I need to prioritize.
0: Are the kids artistic? Do they like to to draw and sketch and paint with dad?
1: So they, they 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 do. It's hard to tell, so I've got a six year old, a four year old and then a fifteen month old. um the six-year-old has told me he wants to be an artist when he grows up just like dad which is which is adorable and and so awesome um
0: you're like here read this book kid
1: (laughs) yeah i'm like oh you should read my book talk to me when you're done done." (laughs) um no they they but but you know we'll see uh it's hard to be a judge of of kids artwork Uh, to to Mm -hmm. me i feel like to me it was maybe middle school where or early or late elementary when I realized I had, I had a talent, and other, other people did too. So we'll
0: see. Ask me in a couple yep. years, and I'll I'll sure. let you know. Well, see, that's the thing, I, and I've said it on this podcast several times. I'm a graphic designer, but um, the only C I got in college was drawing class because I'm good on the computer. I'm not great with... Uh, I can sketch mm-hmm. out an idea for a client to see yeah. and understand, yeah. you know, this is where the headline goes. This is where the, you know, the picture goes. But, like, as far as anything that looks more realistic, it's... Uh, yeah, it's not my not my world. So I don't think even through middle school and high school, people would have thought that I was uh, on the graphic design tracks. So yeah, uh, do you have a you know you, you've I I would assume the book, but uh, do you have a favorite? piece or an illustration or uh you know some sort of drawing that you've done is, that is your favorite that you have created um is there anything that you look at and kind of go well this is the best one that i've i've done um i know kind of the book is your baby right now and you're wanting to obviously promote that <laughs> but and it's something that's near near to you because it's like you've probably been working on it like you said for years and you're ready for it to come out and you're like very excited for it but is there something that you look at that you kind of hold up and say this is my you know one of the best illustrations, drawings that I've done? That's a great question. So
1: obviously, yeah, the book is my current creative, my creative project uh, 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 on mine right now. But, but when I, you know, when you ask that question, I immediately go back to my senior thesis or my, my senior project when I was getting my master's degree, which mm-hmm. was a series of illustrated maps, travel maps um i love traveling i love drawing and i love maps so i did mm-hmm. my, my senior project at scad was i did three travel maps um australia thailand and the usa and they're big they're they're kind of like where's waldo style a little bit like there's a lot of little things and little hidden hidden stuff and fun information and those are so those were some cool projects. I need to go dig those back out cuz I was really proud of those and I never really did much with them. I was originally going to pitch them to like Scholastic and and take them take them um
0: see what I could do with them. But those are some projects that I was really proud of. Yeah. It's always fun to look back at the projects that we were able to do when we were in college and we had less responsibilities and more time to focus on working on pro- and you know, I I when I look at when I look at portfolios of People I'm interviewing to hire designers and such and, and illustrators, and whatnot. I always ask them, how long did it take you to do this? Because in the real world, you don't have two, three months to focus on a project and come back on it. For the most part, sometimes you get yes. that luxury. Yes. But you know, we we look at, you know, I look at some graphic design portfolios and really great work. But then when you hire that person, you put them in a spot to actually get the job done, you're like, hey, we got a week, we got to get this out. And they're like, Oh, I can't get this done in a week. You're like, okay, well, you got to, <laughs> you know? So having that luxury in, in college and having time to work on a project, you end up with these, you know, hopefully some really great elaborate projects that you can take your time on. I'm sure if somebody came to you with that map project now and you'd be like, I, I don't have time to draw a world's Waldo map. I got 40 other clients I got to deal with. Right.
1: Yeah, there's, a, there's so many differences between being in art school versus being in the real world. One mm-hmm. of those is yeah, when you're when you're in art school, you could your project is your, your project. It's all you're working on. And and you can work on it till six in the morning and you can work on it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And that's great. But you know, when you're in the real world, you're racing deadlines, you gotta send you gotta get your you're balancing client feedback. It's not just about making an A, it's also about getting it done on time, getting it done on budget, applying the client's feedback. And so mm-hmm those are a lot of the issues that that um that are addressed in the book that you know going from a school environment to a professional environment is a big it's a big disruptive change and i think that's why a lot of people shy away from it or they they get intimidated by it because they don't feel like they're capable they don't feel like they can measure up mm-hmm. and i'm a, i think that you can you know you can measure up you can do it um you got to lean into some growth. You got to be willing to, to to take feedback and, and grow and, and evolve. But uh, it's doable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Especially when reading the book, "The Conquering Creative." See, I'm going to right. keep plugging it for you. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so what continues to inspire you today? To, to whether it's a person or you know, music or whatever it might be, what continues to inspire you to be to continue to be creative and stay on this path?
1: That's a great question. I have found lately a lot of inspiration in, in through reading. I'm a big I'm a, i love reading. I love reading books. Um and lately I've been spending some time reading some classics, like some some old school classics. I don't know if you're a reader, Dustin, but like I I I've loved just pouring through some old school classics. Like last year, it was the longest book I've ever read, <clears throat> but last year I I read uh Les Miserables by mm-hmm. victor hugo the 1200 page novel from yeah. the 1800s Yikes. french novel um <laughs> yeah. it was a b be- it's like a brick you know it could double mm-hmm. as a self-defensive you know weapon um i read that last year and i just i just got so inspired by it um it's incredible it's a great writing and then just the narratives inspired me the characters inspired me so that was that was one that was one way that I was I definitely found myself inspired um last year and which actually coincided with the season I was writing the book so I was I was trying to channel some of that energy into the, my own writing process but I also you know I get inspired by my teammates that's that's probably the more day-to-day inspiration is that when you um when you're working with a team as as I do as you do uh it, it's just amazing what other creative people bring to the table, and, and and so I'm inspired by by the things that our artists are doing and by what that our team is doing, and we try to we try to create environments for that where we'll, we'll have like inspiration sessions where everyone goes out and finds an amazing video or animation or something to share, and we, we look at it together, or we'll do show and tell days where we bring personal projects we're working on to review together. So that's 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 another way I get inspired is just by looking at what my team is doing letting them inspire
0: me and vice versa yeah that's something that i've always felt is having uh, strong people around you will will do nothing but lift you up and to look at them and instead of looking at them and going oh i can't do something like that you look at it and go how do i do that how do i get to their level or or just it's they're bringing something different to the table. And that's one of the reasons why I even started this podcast was there's so many people that I have met through my career, Mm -hmm. through my my life that have inspired me, whether they're, you know, designers, musicians, whatnot, people that I haven't even been able to get on the show yet that I'm working on, but uh, that just, I, I want the world to meet and get to know and say, you know, Hey, that person's really great at what they do and get inspired by what they're creating or how they got to where they are and go, oh, I can do that too. And of just course. being surrounded by those people is really beneficial. I'm a massive believer in uh, the idea of growth mindset.
1: <clears throat> so just like you said, like there's let me let me, let me me start off with the opposite, a fixed mindset. Of Having a fixed mindset is someone who, they see someone else doing brilliant creative work and they think, oh, I could never do that. Or that person's a threat to me. Or that person is a competitor
0: mm-hmm.
1: or um, I'm or I'm jealous of that person. That's that's having a fixed mindset, a growth mindset, however, would see that person and say, wow, they can do that. I bet I could learn how to do that or wow, they're really great and that inspires me or wow, that that thing that that person is doing um, that challenges me to get even better at what I'm doing um, and then going forward forward knowing that you can grow and you can develop your skills and that nothing is fixed. And so that's a that's a massive um thing that I always coach other creatives is you know check yourself do you have a fixed mindset do you feel like your abilities are kind of set in stone and they have always been the way they are and they always will be or do you have a growth mindset are you willing to learn and be pushed and be challenged and expand
0: your skills and get better at things you're not good at and really push the limits. I always said, I, I always think I can do anything because nobody told me I can't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I always look at it and go, how can I do that? I'm going to start a podcast. Okay, let's yeah. do that. How do I do let's that? Let's do how it. I Figure I it out. <laughs> yeah.
1: Every, so, every, you, uh, every,
0: everything can be figured out, you know, especially with the yeah.
1: internet and YouTube. It's like, if I want to learn how to do something crazy, like build a pool in my backyard, I'm not going to do that. But if I wanted to, I could probably find a YouTube video within one search of how to
0: build a pool. Absolutely, yeah. You I know. just I, the previous episode, I talked to a guy, and we were we were discussing the. Uh, I saw a news story once about a woman who built a house watching YouTube videos. Literally built her entire Incredible. house watching YouTube. Videos. I wouldn't want to go in the house because you you never know somebody using YouTube building something. But uh, but the idea is there, you know. Yeah. So your your book, The Conquering Creative, uh, will be out by time this podcast uh, is out. Where can where will people be able to find it? Will I have to order it on your website? Is it going to be where are we going to find it?
1: So it'll be on Amazon and it'll be on all major
0: book retailers. I think target and barnes
1: and noble.com. Mm-hmm. But if they want to easily find it online, they can go to my website, which is the slash book. That's the slash book. And there'll be links there to find it. And hopefully by the time this podcast release, I'll be giving away the first chapter for free. So if someone wants to download it and check it out and see if it's for them, they'll be able to easily download a PDF of the first chapter and um Fantastic. and hopefully they like it and then they'll go and hopefully and, and get the book. And, and and I always encourage I've encouraged people, like even if you're not a creative, I mean your audience is all creative, but even if you know, if if you know somebody who's about to graduate from art school or you know someone who's got an art degree or, or starting off in their creative career, like this this I do think will be an extremely valuable resource for them as well. So graduation yeah. season is right around the corner, and so I think this will make a great make for a great gift to someone who's about to you know uh take their
0: diploma and, and enter the real world fantastic I think that's great and then if uh, if anybody wants to learn a little more about the sketch effect Williams other business you can go to the sketchfect.com and see uh, a lot more about your your business and yeah. what you do see and how all the live sketching works
1: and the animation and
0: yeah all yeah. that fun stuff we're doing And so before I let you go, I got one last question for you. So if you're speaking to a classroom full of creatives and uh, you have a whole book full of this kind of stuff, I'm sure, what kind of uh, advice would you give them as they go forth on their creative journey? I would
1: advise them to really think long and hard about the people that they're putting in their life. Kind of like what you talked about. You know, we we, we we tend to be the average of the five closest people in our lives, creatives, tend to be solitary creatures. You know, we tend to do our work alone for long stretches of time on our own. And so what that does is that leads to a lot of creatives living isolated lives. And I think that's a, that's a dangerous place to live. So I would encourage creatives to find a community, plug into a group of peers, find a mentor, find a teammate, you know, even if it's just some buddy that you you get together with to work to work alongside. Find some people put them in your life, and really prioritize the community. You know, you may be an introvert. You might like working on your own, and that's great. But you can't stay there forever, and you need to find great people that challenge you, that push you, that support you, that encourage you. And, um, yeah, the the people who you put around your business will make the greatest impact on your business or on your work.
0: Yeah, it's so easily to get stuck in a silo and get stuck on your own and get in your own um kind of bubble and it's it was uh, when i went out on my own and started my own business i was working just by myself on my own and now that i have people that i work with it's it's nice to be able to bounce even just bounce ideas off of and say hey what do you think about this ad what do you think about this and you know have that group to brainstorm and and not feel like you're on an island by yourself so it's it's great to have other people now not so introverted as others <laughs> but right of course but, but having having other people to to validate or to give constructive criticism is is invaluable so it's it, it's that's invaluable a, that is that is uh great uh words of wisdom from william warren that you just got there so William, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for joining us. Looking forward to The Conquering Creative. Uh, it will be out May 2nd, so it'll be out by the time this podcast is is available. You can find it, as we said, at com slash book. William, thanks for joining us. I wish you uh, continued success. Hey, thanks for having me on. This is a great conversation
1: and hopefully it was valuable to your audience.
0: Absolutely. Thanks. Take care. All right. Thanks. Each week on Create, Talk, Repeat, I want to leave you with some creative task or inspiration, something to get your creative juices flowing. This week, I want to leave you with an inspirational quote from author and illustrator Mo Willems. He says, my favorite book is my next one. I'm always hoping to make my next book the best one. Isn't that what we should always strive for in our creative endeavors? Your most recent work may be great, but your best one is your next one. Keep honing your craft, keep learning and trying new things. I hope this helps you on your creative journey. Thanks for listening to Create, Talk, Repeat. Create Talk Repeat is a Britton Creative Production. Created and hosted by me, Dustin Britton. Development and brainstorming assistance by Darren Caldwell. Music by Creative Culture. Follow us on Facebook at Create Talk Repeat or visit our website at createtalkrepeat.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.